listening and welcome to Laughing Monkey Music Show. Taylor and Andy. Andy is the well known for being a guitarist in Tokyo Blade, but he also does produ- production. Got a, a bunch of uh, I don't call side projects, other bands you work with, and other other things you do. And you're also a teacher. Um, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much, Sean. It's good to be here. Good to be here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do other bits and pieces. Um, so and uh, obviously Tokyo Blade. I don't do so much teaching these days, but uh, we'll come to that, I'm sure. Please, yeah, we will. I just want, uh, one of the things I like to do is it's just, I don't like to do just uh, like a lot of people do. And it's not a dig. It's it's a default, like the bio. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the things is it's important to let people, longtime fans be like, oh, you know, learn something new maybe in a conversation. Or maybe you'll get a new fan and they get a little bit of history. And then they go back and they can deep dive. You know, this is kind okay. of get people a little excited, something for everybody. But you're also doing a lot of stuff now, and and I think people should know about it. Even if you're not Tokyo Blade fans, you're a fantastic guitar player and songwriter. Thank and, you. And I know you're welcome. And and, and um, you do production. So I, let's well, let's talk a little bit what's going on with Tokyo Blade because I know you've had a I don't know what we say is it 82 origination Tokyo Blade probably. Uh, it was probably a little bit before 82. It was probably. The the first sort of incarnation would have been um, Genghis Khan, which was which later became Tokyo Blade. That would have been about, I think, about seventy nine, something like that. I know you've been around um, for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a hot minute, <laughs> a long, long time, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've you've earned it. But but I think what's important first off for for, for younger people. That, that aren't aware you you're part of the new wave of British heavy metal which mm-hmm. was, was a big huge part of of the Iron Maidens of, of everybody else and really set in the, the terms of what a lot of 80, 80s metal but not I mean it is a crisscross between glam and and I'd say the pop the power metal the the galloping sounds I think it was I think the, the new wave had a lot of everything in it which was exciting yeah I, I think so um yeah, I mean, we did sort of end up looking a bit glammy. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, no, we did end up looking a bit glammy. Um, but like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. It, things uh, yeah, things happen, don't they? You know, things just it, happen. It, and I have pictures of the 80s of clothes I wouldn't wear today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't talk to myself if I saw somebody dressed like that. But No, I wouldn't wear I wouldn't wear spandex now. I don't like a badly wrapped sausage, so it wouldn't be a good idea. But I will say that now, spandex is very <laughs> comfortable. People never say that though. It was very comfortable, it is, very stretchy. It's it's the most brilliant stuff to wear on stage because it, right. it you know if you're galloping around all over the place, as you say, it is so comfortable to wear. It's, it's like a second skin. It's just really comfortable. And it wear. looks like a second skin because that's the other part. The strength of it is also the weakness. It is like a second skin. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go with that, right? So, but yeah, it's like, but the important thing is you guys have done some fantastic music and, and, and the melody has always been there, whether you want to, regardless of what it was, like if people didn't see what it, what, what it was, the title of glam or, or rock or whatever we want to call it, you just listen to the music. It's consistent, you know? Good songwriting, yeah. nice melody, some great guitar, strong rhythm section, consistently, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, thank you. It's, it's um, Alan and I wrote virtually, virtually all of the material, um, mm-hmm. 
and the, but you know and not to take away from the lads the lads you know had their input in um we used to write we used to write in a completely different way from the way we write now so we used to write because we used to meet up quite regularly and rehearse together um and then you know somebody would you know alan and i would say right we've got this idea and then the lads would all start chipping in their their mm-hmm. bits unfortunately now because we're obviously that much older we all live quite a quite a way apart quite far apart from each other so it's not really practical to get together too often um we very rarely get together in fact i haven't seen the other lads for oh blimey um probably almost a year what you guys don't live in a big house Uh, uh, so (laughs) <laughs> no, no. Oh man, that's no. right. Um, my dreams I, are crushed. I haven't seen the other guys for about a year. So, um, what tends to happen now is that Al and Alan and I still live close together, and we're very good friends. So, Alan and I get together and we write the stuff, and we sort of record the. Have, have we done the last two? Definitely the last two albums is that um, Al and I have written the stuff. I've demoed it here um, in, you know, in my studio. And then yeah. the lads come down and put their parts on. And we've kind of done it that way, you know, so it's ended up that, um, and, and, you know, John sent, um, you know, the last couple of albums, John sent a few yeah. ideas. Um, yeah. and, and we just, you know, he'll give me an idea to sort of run with and, and I'll see, you know, see what I can do with it. And then off we go, you know. It's important, though. I mean, and, and I'll say this overall. You've had, you have had a lot of people over, but but the army of little, the small army of people you've had that's kept the band going, has kept the band going to where we are talking right now. So everyone's had their part in it. But you and Alan have, have definitely been the songwriting steering of the, you know, like, right. like you, you, of it. I think, you know, and and, and it, as much as I like Victor and other other people singing the band, I was happy that Alan was back. As a lot, it's like like mom and dad are back together again. I'm not saying anyone's mom or dad. Just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's very true that's very it, true it feels like it is like you know if you look at a lot of our of our favorite bands growing up you look at the stones i mean these are the easy ones for people that are just not doing but you can think of even your favorite metal bands we can go deep you know and you think of the principal songwriters there's something very special and you don't always get the chemistry and sometimes you don't realize it till afterwards just like any kind of relationship you don't know what you have and, and that connection is worth more than everything else and you kind of figure out the rest of life around it. That is 100% correct. That is 100% correct. And in actual fact, um, you know, kudos to you, because that is the only time in all the interviews that I've ever done when anybody's even mentioned that point. So, yeah. So, yeah, well done. Um, And you're absolutely 100% right. When um, Vic and I got together to write the the, the ill fated Black Hearts album, it just wasn't the same. We didn't, right. we didn't bounce off each other the way that Alan and I do. Uh, Alan and I, we're we're really lucky in 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 as much as we, I don't know whether it's because we're we're very similar um, characters in in a lot of ways, but we we are um, we're just on each other's wavelengths. You know, I I, I kind of I know what i know what i can put together um and give to him and what he's going to throw a vocal on yeah and sometimes i'll write something and i'll just think that's not for al 
that's not his thing, you know, or, or whatever. And it just gets put in the ideas pile and nothing happens to it. But then, you know, I'll write something and think, yeah, Al's going to be able to do something, something with this. Um, and then, you know, I basically just ping him the whole idea, drums, guitar, bass, the whole lot. And um, after a couple of weeks, he'll call me up and say, right, I've got something. And he'll come over and um, get singing and we record it, you know. Well, there's two things, I think, to me, I always see the chemistry I've always seen is, A, not just letting you know each other, you kind of know each other's limits and where to push each other. And yeah. there's a trust level of being like, let's just, you and I in here, try this together. It might be embarrassing outward. It might be something different. This lyric, this vocal, these notes, this these chords, whatever, this song. But we have, a, we have a, a circle of trust here. You know what I'm saying? We're like, yeah. And, and you can't improve or grow unless you do that. And if you have two people that are kind of like um, two musicians that are good, you could probably flush something out, but you're not going to always push forward because it's going to be safe, 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 safe. Despite how good you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that too. Um, we do, we have got happily to a stage where we don't, neither Alan or myself care too much about what we've done in the past so we don't we don't ever listen back to all i mean i never listen to any of our stuff ever um and we i certainly neither of us listen back to the old stuff and think right let's copy that or let's you know let's yeah. do that let's do something like um it's very rare that we do that because also actually notice that you know there are some fans that are like the you know real die hard fans that have been fans for years that, that come out with stuff like oh you know they don't you know they're not writing stuff like they did on the first album and night well no but <laughs> those albums were, were made in eight, 1985 we've moved on you know like 30 um, years ago <laughs> and and we we write now whatever we want you know we ideas uh, we've 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 written stuff that that is, is completely, totally unreleasable as Tokyo Blade. Um, Why is that? Because we just it because it's 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 so, so we, we could never release the release that stuff as as Tokyo Blade because. People just wouldn't, you know, it'd be like, it would be like ACDC doing a country album. You know, people would just not buy it. They would be like, what the hell are you doing? Um, I, gu I guess. people get, you know, you people get into a, people, people get into a, um, a, a sort of a, a frame where they, they expect a certain type of, of record from an artist, you know, Um and when the artist tries to break the mold a little bit and do something different, which, you know, creative people do, they, they don't, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to make the same album 50 times. So you try to break the mold a little bit um, from the, the mold being what you've done in the past. Um, and very often people don't like it. In fact, it, yeah, it's, it's really true. Um, in fact, a little while ago, we, had got together and said you know we weren't it's obviously the first two albums with the technology that was available at the time and the cheap studios that we were in um we hated the sound of both both of those albums and and we thought why don't we do redo those albums um you know with today's you know 
today's production and and you know the fact that obviously we're better players now than we were then and we sort of got pete who runs the our facebook um fan club to put it out and everybody was like no don't you dare yeah and we were like really no don't you dare you can't touch that you can't touch that stuff you can't redo it and i suppose it's like the thing i was reading the other day where um roger waters is going to do it do um re um re-record dark side of the moon what? It, and it, alone well um I don't know who I guess his his touring band um he's gonna do it with and, and this is what he you know, this is what he wants to do. And I, I can't That's I, I suppose water. it's a That's similar sort water. of thing. You know, yeah. something for an to do that. Yeah, exactly. It some things become you know, some things become sort of iconic and, and they become um they become very nostalgic. People get very nostalgic. Um and so they you know, it's like when we play live. I mean, when we play live, it's all material from the first two albums because that's what people want, you know, and that's it. And people say, why do, you know, you get the odd person that says, why haven't you done something from Fury or why didn't you play something from... Um, that would be me. Dark that would be Rev- me saying that. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> that would be me saying stuff like that. Like, yeah, you got some great new music. Let's keep moving forward. I love the old and I like the new. Yeah. Mix it up, man. Come on. I- and you can see, like, you can see in the audience, you can gauge the audience's reaction because you look out there and there's this sort of great big sea of people and, you know, they're going crazy for the for the stuff from the first two albums. And the minute you do something new, they kind of just stand there because they either haven't heard it or they don't know it or they're not interested in it. I don't know. I think so, it's a little both, actually. They're afraid to push through. It was their yeah. heyday. You know what I mean? For, for music, people don't go any further. Like, it's that's That's true. That like think true. about when you got music and I think it's something that came across us talking about um, the eighties and nineties for a lot of people in our age group and I'm, I'm 52. And like, so when a band gets that big, it's, those are the main times. That's when you, you have extra cash and stuff in your teens and early twenties. But then once you either go to work or college and stuff, then your, your, your funds go away and you stop listening, you know, the money to go to as many shows because either you get married or this or that. And then you get back to the point where we are now again in life, where you're a little more settled in, you got a little more funds again. So there's a big dead spot in the career for a lot of artists. And people are like, well, I like the old stuff. I want to go back and have a fun time now. Meanwhile, yeah. the artist has, has been producing all these years. And, and they expect you to be the same person that they were when they walked out of the house. Like time froze, you know. And, and it's yeah. kind of unfair for an artist to, to have to do that because I'm not the same person I was when I was 18. You know, um, you shouldn't have to be. I wouldn't. I'm not going to do the same things. now. I wouldn't write the same song. I would do, would do the same thing with perspective. You've had what I don't know, thirty years, whatever, how many years of knowledge and growth? Why would you write the same thing? You can respect it. It's a great, does some good stuff. It's fun. It was time stamped and of it, but you don't copy because it's not that anymore. Um, you, that's you, always been, you know, that's always been our argument. Is is that we've always said, well, we we don't want to do the same stuff anymore. And and frankly, we don't make a penny. We don't make a bean out of selling albums. So. Yeah. It's not like we've got to struggle to please everybody so that we can get a bit more cash in our pocket because we don't make any money from it. So we do it for the love of it. So if you're going to do something for the love of it, then love what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's important that you do that, though. I I think that's something you think that Noah would like. Make it a digital download and say, here's some other sides of Tokyo Blade. We're more more than that. At this point, it's you. I, I, I think that, I mean, look at, Early on, Metallica is one of the guys that we used to start out. Look, Metallica did Lulu. 
it opened the door for other bands to <laughs> stuff that fans don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, yeah. I love Metallica, and 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 if Lou Reed wasn't on it, it would probably been another good Metallica album. That yeah. was just not a mixture. Yeah. But I'm gonna tell you what, though, I will defend to my last breath that they had a right to do that album as artists, and they should release whatever they want. Absolutely, absolutely. And same I breath, mean, I will say I can't listen to that album. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that Alan and I have done that isn't suitable for Tokyo Blade, it will see the light of day in, in some form or another. Um, you know, it, de it definitely will, because it, it's stuff that we've written, it's stuff that we've enjoyed writing, and we, we, we very much enjoy working together um, and creating together. Um, and, you know, it, it will see, it definitely will see the, the light of day. Um, and it will probably be, I don't know, it'll be out under Bolton Marsh or something. I was going to um, say the same thing. I feel like it's a name, a name, yeah, mix up like that, kind of, for the fans yeah. to recognize you at least, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and there, obviously there will be people, there will be some fans that are like, what, what the hell is this? But well, we don't really care. Well, then <laughs> that point, arguably, I'll say that's a different kind of fan. I mean, that's somebody like a fan of those those two albums or those two this. I mean, you're not gonna get past that. You know what I mean? A fan. Oh, no. A fan of an art, of a, if you're a true fan, you're going to support what your band does. You say, yeah, you know, you might, they might not like it, or you might do a new album now they don't like, but you're still a fan of the band. And, you know, to disparage yeah. a band or whatever is not so cool because, I mean, you're, you're somebody, you trying to be somebody different. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, walking yeah. in the same factory every day for 30 years and not expect things to change or employees to go or, or, or everything moves forward. You know what I mean? You can't be that scene in Napoleon Dynamite with uh, the the uncle by the lake throwing a football football. You know, you could have been something. <laughs> You're not that yeah, guy. yeah. I mean, the the you know the, the first albums were such the first two albums were such enormous sellers that that you know it's it's obvious that that a lot of Blake fans have never sort of really got beyond that. Um, and and so you know that's the, that's the the you know the there's still the demand for when we play live is is material from the first two albums, but you know from our point of view it's really frustrating because you think oh god you know this song again and you, you get sick and tired of it I mean it's like Ozzy Osbourne playing Paranoid for the billionth time totally sick of it but he knows he's got to do it because that's what people want. I'd love to be away with not playing that again. I love the song but there's so many other good songs. That's the other problem when an artist has a lot of good songs. Some of the ones that have been tried yeah. a few times I could do without. You know what I mean? I can hear yeah. my record. There's a lot of songs yeah. I like to hear live that I just never hear live from artists that yeah. kind of treats, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and that's the thing you want to get to a point as an artist where you can do two different nights full of material and you have uh, uh, an audience that will let you just mix it up and you don't have to repeat yourself. You know, you could do the album, Tokyo Blade, one night is Tokyo Blade, you know, whatever album. The next night you'll do a mix of the hits and our new stuff. You know what I'm saying? And mix it up and kind of break in the fans, you know, because... You got a lot of good stuff that needs to get checked out, you know. And that's part of the goal of this show. It's like just some good material you guys have recently. You sound great. Alan sounds great. You sound great. The band's kicking. Thank you. You know. Yeah, there's, I think there's live footage I, out there. You guys sound great. We're we're you know we're we're really pleased with with the stuff that we've done. You know, in the in the last sort of I don't know, I guess the last sort of ten years, we're really sort of pleased with what we've done. Um, and you know, we're, well, well, there's another one in the pipeline at the moment. Um, Hopefully okay. it will see the way. Um, we just keep going. You know, this is what we enjoy. But it, you know, that's the thing. When you're a creative person, you just it, it's your it's your blood, it's your lifeblood to create, and you just create, and that's what you do. And um, I, I think you know that 
that you get people that aren't, you know, I've got friends that aren't musicians who are like, why'd you bother? Because <laughs> they, they don't get it. Why have you spent all this money on this and, and you know, all this money on, on studio stuff and all the rest of it? Why do you bother? You don't get anything out of it. Well, no, but that's not why we would do it. It's never been. It. Sorry? You said you, you, you do, but you get everything out of it. It's like people that like, why, why do you have kids? It's exhausting. You're broke. You're tired. Whatever you're like. Exactly. Some people you're exactly. like, you, you, you don't get it. It's something, it's in here. Something you're not going to take with you when you go. There's something your body <laughs> needs, your soul needs. You know? And if you have to explain it to them. Exactly. Exactly. You, you do it. Yeah, exactly. It's like the old it's like the old saying, if I had to explain, you wouldn't understand. And and that's pretty much bang on, really. Um, if if you're not a creative person and you're not of that ilk, you'll you'll never understand any more than I can understand them for the things they do, you know. Right. Um, just it's just the way it is, you know. You have to always keep creating. I get that way. I have to always be doing something, some kind of project, something and something. I gotta keep moving, I gotta can't rest on that. I'm like, oh, that was cool, but I move forward. I don't feel like that defines me. I couldn't say that's good and always feel good about that forever. Like, I'm like, yeah, that was like a while ago. What am I doing now? Yeah. What am I working on now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that was the the the, the thing with the first two albums is that we were quite keen to do that. You know, we yeah. thought, oh, that'd be really good. You know, redo those albums with a decent sound, decent production, um, you know, and a, a real fresh a real fresh sound to them and and Pete put it out to the fans on Facebook and they were, they were like it was like an overwhelming no 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 do not touch no. that don't touch it don't read it and we were like really surprised we thought oh you know the fans are going to love that but no, it didn't go down well that's kind of crazy it's like I guess it's like being a boxer you're only as good as your last fight to some of the fans like as much as they they remember you you know at that time uh, but what other things? So let's talk about some other things that fans, some of the work that you're doing that people can get involved with. That, you know, you do production work and stuff. Like, what other stuff are you doing that other people can be aware of and reach out to you? Uh, you know? Well, I'd, um, uh, some time, well, quite a long time ago, um, uh, a guy got in touch with me called Adrian O'Shaughnessy, um, and uh, good, you, you know, friend of mine from Ireland. We, you know, we became friends. He got in touch with me because we were initially looking for um, a vocalist for Tokyo Blade when we first reformed, purely because we didn't think that Al would be interested in doing it anymore. And um, that didn't come to anything, but he, he, he's he got his own kind of studio set up over there. Um, and he said, well, look, are you up for just writing some stuff and we'll do some stuff together? I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. So we've done... Well, we're, we're on the third album now. The, the second one's finished, but we haven't got a release for it. Um, the first one was called Valley of the Kings. Um, the second one is called Native Sons, where we don't, again, as I say, we don't have a release for that. And, and whilst we've been waiting to see what we're going to do with releasing that, um, we've started work on a third, which we're probably about three quarters of the way through, I would think. Um, so that's, you know, that's interesting stuff. That's, um, it's it's different from, it's a bit different from Blade. It's in in some places. It's well, I suppose it's kind of got my sort of stamp on it in some ways. Um, but it's it's a real mixture of stuff. The the new one actually is very very heavy. Um, it's probably the heaviest thing that I've done. Because um, Adrian just he really gets into the real aggressive stuff. So 
um it again it sort of it just sort of happened that it came out that way you know um but the other two albums there's a real mix of stuff on them there's a real mixture but, you know, these are also listed but, on your on your solo um website right i'll post both of them because you have your own website also not just tokyo blade i do have my own website i've got i've got my own website i've got the last renegades website um and the gillen and gillen and the villains website yeah um and i don't do anything on either of any of them because i just don't get time so they're all badly out of date. um so um there, there is some some of the stuff is up on the website you know for people to check out and listen to um that's just the first album value of the kings at the moment yeah it's up on there well, we'll be able to direct people to check this out that are interested. And then, of course, there's the Gillen and the Saint Chris with uh, another uh, com, I think. Okay. Uh, is that one? Um, Chris Gillen is uh, a very good friend of mine from Detroit, who, again, um, was the vocalist for for Blade for a while. We did the Brazilian tour with with Chris. Um, well, South American tour, it wasn't just Brazil, but it was a South American tour with Chris. Yeah, um, it, and we did a lot of European dates with him, but it was never going to work because just the distance involved and the traveling, and it, it was so expensive to get Chris over from, from the States. Yeah. Um, but we ended up doing an album together, uh, just called Gillen and the Villains. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a good album. That's a good album. Um, but I, I don't think Chris and I will ever do anything. You know, I don't think there'll ever be a follow-up. So I enjoyed doing that. And we did that. Um, we mixed that at Abbey Road, which was fun. Because um, cool. it was just so nice to be in Abbey Road and just the history of the place, you know, fantastic. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, you know, there's, there's stuff that I do sort of on the side basically as long as i keep busy you know that's my... I, I think a lot of those things you mentioned are actually linked to your your andy website so that'll yeah. be here and from there they can jump as a jump off point to some of those other ones you know yeah i just want to yeah. be able to give kind of people an idea to check out your other stuff too as i said i'm open to having artists people check out other things the artists did you know things you've done past 1985 you know <laughs> like you know let people be aware of this other stuff going on that aren't following you yeah <laughs> you're like i've been doing stuff yeah well, yeah, yeah i'm not dead production. i'm not dead quite, right. um yeah and then I've, I've mixed a couple of things for other people just lately i've got into a little bit of that so um nothing serious nothing big um I, I, one of them was a blues album for, for for a very good friend of mine and i mixed and mastered that for him um so yeah i've got into a bit of that um still finding my feet sorry are you open to that for people to reach out to you for bands? Are you is that something you, you will do? Yeah, for mixing, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I don't know if anybody hears any of the stuff and thinks you know that I've mixed and thinks we'd like our album mixed, send it across. You know, right, let's so, talk. So, so it's mixing and not just not a studio recording. You're doing mix, you'll do mix downs. I do mix downs, yeah. So um, I do that. Um, I've 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 just only just gotten into mastering, so I'm still finding my feet a little bit on that. Like everything else, you know, I I do all of this stuff because, well, one one is the main reason really is budget, 
because you know if you're producing your own stuff and you're lucky enough to have your own studio it's great but if you've then got to fork out money and you're not getting any money in from from right. um album sales and you you've got you've got fork out money for for mixing engineers and mastering engineers you just can't do it so you have to like everything else in my life i've just had to teach myself to do it i mean i've been mixing and recording for a long time um but it's, it's only the last I don't know the last sort of seven or eight years, I suppose that I was I actually got the confidence to mix and actually mix something for a commercial release. Um, and I was really glad I did, and it was you know basically, Al listened to you know we were listening to some of the stuff, and he said, I said right now we need to get it mixed. He said why don't you do it? He said because you're it, this, it sounds great. What you're doing sounds great. I said well I don't know you know. It's like, Oh, I'm just a you know, just a, a little guy. No, oh, no, no, no. We should do it. And you know, I'm glad I did. So after that, there's one, two, three, four albums that I've mixed um, for release worldwide, which you know I'm pleased about. I'm really pleased with that. That's uh, awesome. And it it keeps me busy. It keeps me busy. I think it's neat. Is when we're growing up, a lot of producers and people at school they listened. It was like the first generation is they, they learned as things were being invented in the studio. A lot of earlier producers were inventing stuff for the studio, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those guys were the producers that were doing stuff like your bands and a lot of the bands, you know, 70s, 80s, into the 90s. Those are the guys that had grown, had become legends because they had experimented with all types of music, invented things, been everywhere, guns for hire. You know, they weren't the big guns at the time. But what's really interesting. Obviously, there's school for, for recording and stuff. I actually went to school for it at one point in my life. Um, mm -hmm. and, and my teachers actually were, were te teachers that were actually working on other albums, too, that you knew at the time. So it's kind of cool. But, but, but to oh, that cool. point, on a bigger level, though, artists like you were in the studio working with these names. And then you worked with all these different professionals that were known, different styles. And mm -hmm. now we're at a point now where a lot of the artists can produce their own albums. Or they know what they want, at least. Are there seventy five percent there? Because they kind of went to school with all their favorite producers or video <laughs> engineers. You know, if you the ones that were paying attention and sober, the ones that didn't just hit the studio and leave and get get messed up, the ones that hung out <laughs> in the back and were interested in it. A lot of these guys are doing stuff now. They're like, oh yeah, I can do all my stuff now, like because they were eight sober <laughs> and they showed up at yeah. work. They showed up. That's a very good point. Um, another major benefit of, of it is is that when you when you've written you know when you've given birth to a song and it's your it is your baby you know you know exactly how you want it to sound you don't necessarily want to trust somebody else to mix it because they might well, they probably almost certainly won't mix it exactly like you want it and the other thing about that is that what mixing engineer is going to devote the time and the passion they're, they're on an hourly rate these guys right. are on an hourly rate so you know they're going to be doing whatever they do now of course uh, i'm not detracting from any uh you know i wouldn't um i'm not putting down any professional mixing engineers because you know these guys are really good and they you know they get set they whip sounds together in you know within 30 minutes right um and it takes other people that are, that are doing home mixing generally longer but then um, and it, and you can get lost in it too. It's very easy to get lost in it, where you you know you mix it and you listen to it and you say that's great, 
And two days later, they think, you think, oh, I could just change that. And then another couple of weeks go by, and you, oh, just change that bit. And you, you can get to the point where you, it's sometimes difficult to put it down and say, right, that's it. It's done. I'm, I'm not touching it. That's it. It's finished. That's when you um, need a, a, co, a, co, a co-mixer or a studio partner yeah. that can lay on the line and be like, who can see it differently. And you can, you know, you'll take their advice and you'll walk away. Yeah. Yeah. It, at that point, yeah, you'll you'll be a force of the streets. You'll be you'll be Guns and Roses d- democracy for ten years because you just want to keep adding on to it or building it. And it's not even a dig towards them. It's just a good example of what happens when you have yeah. resources in front of you and an abundance yeah. of creativity. Because there was no lack of creativity for that album. What there was is there was, there was just wasn't a cutoff. <laughs> and it yeah. was pressure. Yeah. And it was pressure for something different. So you yeah. put that all together. And you're like, I don't know. What if I do one thing better? How how do I do? How do I do better than the biggest album ever? Like, so like, if you're competing yeah. against yourself, you know, and I think yeah. a lot of people don't have that. But like, you're probably the ten percent of artists that like do producing their stuff. You know, I talk to a lot of people that do it, but like, but overall though, most artists don't know how to mix their stuff down. They don't know how to get the right sound. Even if they've watched it, they don't know. Hearing it, having a good mixing ear and having a good musician's ear are not always synonymous. You know, no, they're not. No, they're not. You're mixing um, for a car, for a radio, for earbuds, for a big room. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and and you know, it you, there's there is you you know you sort of think you know you you get to a point where you think you sort of know everything, and then you actually find a lot of whole new stuff that you never even thought about. And the, and the other thing is again, you have to you have to detach yourself from being to a certain extent, from being a guitar player, because that's not the song. The song is the singer. So you, you have to really sort of detach yourself and go, right, what's important here? Right, a, good, a great drum sound is important. Right. right, that's what we get, and we need to work on getting that. Um, once we've got that, right, we need a solid bass sound. Oh, but the most important thing, we need some great vocals. And you have to kind of... You sort of detach yourself from from the fact that you're a guitar player. But the the bonus of being a guitar player is that when you start um, engineering and 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 mixing, is that you already know what a chorus is. You already yeah. know what uh, a flanger does. You know what a delay does. You know what reverb is. Whereas somebody that's coming from a, a different angle, from a, a somebody that's never played with all of these toys, like us guitarists do. They're like, you know, I mean, for example, if you were a drummer, and I'm sure that there are some fantastic drummers out there who are fantastic engineers, so I'm not having a go, but they're coming at it from possibly somewhere from a point of view that, you know, they, they've never played around with with delay pedals and reverb pedals and flangers and choruses and, and all, the, all the shit that guitarists play with. Um, so, but, you know, it, it's... it's um, if I was more disciplined, I think if I was more disciplined, I would set myself a time. I would say, right, I'm going to mix this song and I'm going to spend no more than two hours on it. And that's it. That sounds like a really um, good exercise to do. Like a real good you know, exercise to keep, to do this though. As, as anybody as a producer, to kind of, you know, to Yeah, I, mean, I was watching something the other day with a, a, a guy, a, a mixing engineer, something on YouTube. And, uh, it was a mixing engineer and and he actually said that he got to a point where he went literally went out and bought a timer because he wanted to just stop this 
trap that you fall into where you're constantly re revisiting the mix and tweaking and adjusting and tweak and then you start to lose sight and then you listen back to the mix and you think I don't know whether that's better than the first one I think the first one was probably better and you know you, you can get really caught up in that it's um it, there's definitely a danger in that you know I, and I think to me I see I actually think of two points a like the first part when you say with the studio is like it's important you're, you are actually, you can step away, being a guitar player, you can step away. It's like being a film film person, like why Spielberg does good movies is you have to step away from it. You have to just watch the film, yeah. the story. Like Spielberg can do a lot, of, probably do way more things than he does in a film, but he doesn't because he stops back and he honors the film. What is what is a song but an audio film? You know, the words yeah, exactly. aren't working together, but it's an audio journey. So you need to step back exactly. and the one specialty you do and you need to look at the big picture, which is generally the song, and it's also the production and how the production works with the song. Because good production and a bad song, bad production on a good song is horrible. It's a crime, you know. Um, and with musicians, I think yeah. I wouldn't want to have a producer that couldn't play an instrument. Like, look at some of the best ones. Ted Templeman was in a band. He knew harmonies. He could put Van Halen's vocals together. He was yeah. doing, you know, Linda Ronstadt. Like, you know, you're already coming into it with a skill set of songs and songwriting and the production. You're only able to take the best out of a band. It's like going to a tattoo artist that has no tattoos. And I actually knew some guy that was like this. He had no tattoos. And he's like, I don't want the commitment. I'm like, then I don't want you doing tattoos if you're afraid of doing a commitment of what you do for a living. <laughs> Seriously, I was like, are you, are, you, are you insane? Is this for real? Literally no tattoos on. Um, and it's, tattoos are for everyone. But my point is, if you're going to do something, you really got to kind of be involved in it. You know what I mean? Like a lifeguard that doesn't swim. You just got to, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, what is what is your commitment to the, uh, the situation? You know, I think it's fantastic you you mix your own stuff. Exactly. You know? So yeah, I want it's, people... it was it's more um, you know, it came about more by sort of well, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention, and and it was certainly the case with that because you know you've got no budget and you think right, well we've written this song, we've got to record it somehow, and we've got to mix it. I guess I better learn how to mix it. <laughs> That's how you sort of get into it, really. Well, if you look at, I mean, uh, it's kind of the world is, you know, if you look at the, the scale of the big picture of music and the way the world's gone, you know, out of, say, 95% of the bands don't ever get to record and have no budget. And then the other guys, which puts you there, you know, you got another 4% that doesn't have the budget that you that you would like to have to do the full project. And you have to kind of put stuff together. There's only one percent of all these exactly. that get this, and when those guys do, a lot of those guys get stupid with the budgets, and it doesn't make a point anyhow. The fact that a lot of them have just gone back to saying, "Let's do it in a week. We're done. We're wasting money. We could have bought an island yeah. here." Yeah. So I guess the point is, you're 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 in a yeah. spot where you have the launch pad to do it, and you and you have some kind of funds to keep you living and, and breathing like a human being, and not have to do other stuff yeah. just to pay for it. So. I mean, the internet is a, is a double-edged sword because, in, in in some ways, you know, it's 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 taken well. In a lot of ways, it's taken uh, um, the money out of musicians' pockets. But on the other hand, it's a massive platform. Okay. You know, if you can, if you can, if you've got the time and the energy, you know, and if it's good enough and you get a big enough audience, you know, you can you can do you can do some some stuff, but. Well, you know as well as I do, the music business now is is a far, far cry from what it was when when I started in the music business. Right. Um, 
just it, it's just completely different. There's there's no two ways. Completely different. But if you're I mean, a back, starter, it's better. Sorry? You know, it, but being a self starter now, though, I mean, it can be better for you. I know most artists. I mean, it's above you. They're actually making more money they did when they were platinum artists. They make more money on their album sales now, and they're doing it themselves. They're doing smaller crowds instead of hitting a million art people. You hit a thousand people that are dedicated. You're gonna make more money than say a hundred thousand people. And I hear that over and over again. It's just refinancing it. I think the artists that people, the money that people thought the artists weren't getting to begin with, was the record the record uh, companies, the banks there were already taking the money. Then the internet took the money from the from the record company. <laughs> The artists were never really getting all the money they wanted anyhow, that they needed and deserved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but then, the you know, the, the, the flip side of that is that the record company sold us, you know, sold all the artists to so, so iTunes and Spotify and all right. of these platforms where you get, like, less than, than oh, yeah. you know, for every, every time somebody listens to a song. So... Um, a, a massive trend in this as well, particularly with mixing engineers. Um, you know, mixing and mastering engineers now are making their money on YouTube, doing like tutorials and things like mm -hmm. that, because they don't have the. But I mean, I remember the last album that we did um, with uh, an engineer was um, well, the last yeah, the last proper album that we did with an engineer was was an album that we did was um, Unbroken, which we did with the with the late Chris Sangaradis. Now, of course, Chris had worked with everybody. I mean, just everybody. I mean, he'd, he'd done Sabbath, Gary Moore, Thin Lizzy, um, Ingo Malmsteen, um, just, oh, just so many bands he'd, yeah. he'd, he'd worked with. And he was telling, when we, when we first went down to do the album with Chris, um, we went down to his studio, which is down in Folkestone on the, on the English, you know, South Coast. And, um, we went down to his studio to, to sort of discuss doing the album. And uh, we sort of said, okay, well, look, you know, we want to get this album done. How much? And he was like, 10 grand. And we were like, we haven't got 10, three grand. And, uh, and that was it. So I said, I'm sorry, Chris, we, we, we you know, I phoned him up after we'd yeah. gone down there and, and checked the place out, chat with him. And I said, no, I'm sorry, because we, we don't have that sort of money. And he said, what have you got? And I said, well, about three grand. He said, well, I'll do it for three grand. And that was that made me really curious. So when I went back, when we started doing the album, I got to talking to him. And I said, how come you dropped from 10 grand? I said, just, I said, you can be honest. Uh, you dropped from 10 grand to like three grand to do this album. And he said, well, the truth of it is, he said, if this studio is empty for two weeks, I've still got to pay for the electric. I've still got to pay for the upkeep of the equipment. Um, it's better to have three grand than nothing. And, and no he brain. started telling us about the old days. Yeah, you know, and he started telling us about the old days when, you know, um, EMI or MCA or whoever it was would, would call him up and say, okay, how much do you want to do? How much do you want for doing the, the new Lizzie album or whatever? And he'd say, oh, 45 grand. Okay, where do you want to do it? And it was just like no questions asked. It was just like that was that was the money. That was the fee. And that's gone. You know, that that, that largely has gone. And even the bigger bands, you know, like, um, I mean, Van Halen, Eddie had his own studio. Now, yep. some of that is down to 
Eddie Eddie was a bit of a control freak. He, he liked to be in control of everything. Why not? It's absolutely fine. But he did have Don um, Landy though. He did have but he did yeah. have a wingman. That was the whole thing though. Did, yeah, to it, argue it, to argue with him behind the scenes, there had to be Landy, he yeah. did have somebody that wasn't in the band to at least push back. Maybe he didn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um made Made and Steve Harris has got his own studio, so yep. a, a lot of these, ba- a lot of the bigger bands have invested in in a studio um, to do their stuff there. Now, of course, many of them, the, the the bigger bands, they they like they've got like Eddie had Don Landy coming in, you know, they've got engineers that come in and do it. They don't sit there and twiddle the knobs, no. but they've got their own studios, um, and and the, you know, for for producers and and um, engineers, the the ass has has also fallen out of the you know financially so they're doing you know everybody's doing what they can to to keep their to keep their you know their yeah. hand in the game um and, and and it's like if you've got a bit of money coming in you know with these guys if they've got a bit of money coming in from youtube and they're doing like um an online mixing course as well and they get a bit of money from that and then they still do the odd mixes for for bands and mastering for bands um they've got a living you know there's a living there yeah so they, they've diversified somewhat which i think is the key in the, in the music business now that is the key it's to it's to be a little bit diversive um I, well, I i did it purely because we just couldn't afford it i couldn't afford to get anybody in to do it so that's why i started doing it it wasn't like an ego thing where i wanted total control of my song i wanted it to sound exactly that wasn't the intention from the get-go um it's a it's a side benefit um, a bonus of doing it for myself, but um, it wasn't intention. It was literally, well, we haven't got the money, we haven't got the cash, you know, just like got a lot no of labor nowadays. support. Yeah, yeah. But your production, um, and you know, we're that. lucky. Be- we thank you. I mean, we we and we've been very lucky because we, you know, we have still got, um, you know, because of the the, the longevity of the band. Um, and the fact that we've been going all of these years, then, then we are st- we still have a label. We still have somebody that will put out our product because they know that they they'll sell it. Mm-hmm. Because the older fans, they like like myself, they've got a record collection and a CD collection, and they want that. If if they're a fan of the band, they want that in their collection. They don't want to be, you know, missing an album from their collection. They want it in their collection. Yeah. So um, so we've been sort of fortunate like that. Still don't make hardly a bean out of it, but at least we've got a label there that puts the music out. This doesn't cost you, not in a negative like some bands. At least you're <laughs> you're, you're creating without being in the negative. Exactly. You know? At least if, you know. At least if I hand the, the product over to them, they you know they're going to put it out. Very cool. So you're um, so. And, um, and a lot- I'm sorry, but yeah, and, and that's good. You have a label support. I mean, it's important. I'm glad. You know, it's 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 needed. You know, especially to keep you going, you know, without definitely. Um, so there definitely. is hope for now. Well, you, yeah, you would. Sorry. So there is hope for now. Uh, in there, uh, maybe. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, for sure, there's definitely there's definitely going to be another Blade album. Definitely. Um, it's it's well, it's it's more or less completed, except we don't have the other guys on it yet. So, but the songs are all done and it's recorded. So, you think uh, twenty-three or twenty-four release? You think at this point? I would, I would think it would if if 
if the other guys still want to get involved in it, I would think it would be 24. Yeah. I mean, because you're in the early quarter, 23 already. So, I mean. Yeah, it would be too, it would be too much of an ask to get, you know, if they, if they are, they are interested in doing it, it would be a big ask to get them to learn all those songs and get down here to record them all in a short space of time. They would have to give them a bit of time. I mean, I think we've got about something like 12, 12, 14 songs ready, you know, because well, um, we keep going. That's the thing with me and I. We just we got we've got nothing better to do with our lives, so that we just keep going. So we just keep trying out ideas, you know. Well, that's really good news. I, I want to thank you for coming on today. Appreciate it. I always wanted to talk to you. Been a fan of your older stuff and your newer stuff. No problem. <laughs> you know, I think some of the new stuff is great. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I thank hope you. and I hope and thank you. you know, you're very welcome. I, I hope that some of these people. I apologize. Sometimes I think there's a cutout. I think I over I over talk you. I mean. Is it is a delay? Um, I hope people check out your newer stuff that haven't been the older fans and kind of say, "All right, we are, we love Deep Purple, Mach One, Two, and Three. You know, we have our favorite yeah, versions. Yeah, there can yeah. be different levels of, of we can have. Okay, I like this. They, it's just two different. You do have two different versions. Tokyo Blade. Then cool. You have two different ones. Then twice the bands. You know, it doesn't have to be the same thing without yeah. taking away from yeah, the band. Check it out. No, no, yeah, no that's for sure. I mean, Tokyo Blade has been my, you know, my main focus, um, obviously. But um, you know, the other stuff that I've done, I've really enjoyed um, working with it. I just, I just enjoy creating. You know, I can't. Um, it's difficult to find people that can keep up with me, really, because <laughs> I just keep turning it out. Um, but I, it's just, I just love it. You know, it's my, that's what I've done all these years, and. That's what I'll continue to do until I'm too old to do it at all. Once yeah. I can't move these anymore, um, yeah. I'll stop. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, people, check out the Tokyo Blade website and in Angie's website. Both of them are going to be below the, uh, the show on the link on podcast and YouTube. And check all the different projects he has. And then, you know, we'll be waiting for the new album. Andy, I want to thank you for being on the thank show. Thank you man. very much. Great. Thank you.